Take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis 39. Genesis 39. Tonight we want to look at the power of a faithful life. The power of of a faithful life. By way of introduction, a young man applied for a job as a farmhand. When the farmer asked for his qualification, he said, I can sleep when the wind blows. I can sleep when the wind blows. Well, this puzzled the farmer. But he liked this young man and he hired him. A few days later, the farmer and his wife were awakened in the night by a violent storm. And they quickly began to check things out to see if all was secure. Well, they found the shutters of the farmhouse had been secured, securely fastened. A good supply of logs had been set next to the fireplace. And the young man slept soundly. Farmer and his wife then inspected their property. They found that the farm tools had been placed in the storage sheds, safe from the elements. The tractor had been moved into the garage. The barn was properly locked. Even the animals were calm. All was well. Farmer then understood the meaning of this young man's words, I can sleep when the wind blows. Because this farmhand did his work loyally and faithfully when the skies were clear. He was prepared for the storm when it broke. And so when the wind blew, he wasn't afraid. He wasn't concerned. He could sleep in peace. Now the story about the young farmhand illustrates a principle that we would do well to learn. Nothing dramatic or sensational in this young farmhand's preparations. He just faithfully did what was needed each day. And consequently, peace was his even in a storm. It's a short poem expresses this principle as it pertains to your life. It isn't the things you do, it is, it's the things you leave undone, which gives you a piece of or a bit of heartache at the setting of the sun. When the sun set each day on the life of Joseph, he could rest easy because he had been faithful. When he was home with his father Jacob, he had been a faithful son. When he minded his father's flocks, he had been a faithful worker. When he was sold to Potiphar, he proved to be a faithful servant. Because he had been faithful, the Lord blessed everything he did. Now in this passage, in Genesis 39, we're allowed to see the faithfulness of Joseph very clearly. He remains faithful to God in the face of some problems that would cause others to fall. Now, of course, there's a word for us here today. As we pass through this life, many situations will arise that have the potential to throw us off course. The world, the flesh, and the devil will all conspire to get us to quit on God. They will do everything in their power to cause us to drop out or to fall short of our potential. God wants us to be faithful. He wants us to stay the course and run the race for His glory until He calls us home. 
Joseph teaches us how to be faithful in spite of what we may face in this life. So tonight we're going to look at the power of a faithful life and see the areas in which Joseph was faithful to the Lord. God expects no less from you and me, and so let's not disappoint him. Notice, first of all, faithful in spite of temptations. Faithful in spite of temptations. Let's begin reading here in chapter 39. We looked at several of the verses last time that we uh, were in our study here, but let's begin verse 6. Verse 6, it says, And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not, Ought he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that the master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in the ha- this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as he spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her and lie by her uh, to be with her. And it came to uh, pass that as she spake, excuse me, it came to pass about that time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. And there was none of the men of the house therewith. And he caught him by his garment. She caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Now, I don't uh, doubt that Joseph was probably a pretty good-looking man, young man. Uh, I don't know that for sure, but you know, beauty must bring with it its own set of problems. That's why I don't have those kind of problems. Joseph ministered in Potiphar's house, and he caught the eye of Potiphar's wife. And as it indicates to us here, she began to flirt with him. After a short time, she became downright brazen in her approach, and she asked Joseph to lie with her. Well, he refused her advances. But she persisted. Verse 10. And then on a certain day she was in the house alone, and when Joseph came in, she grabbed him by his outer garments, and she said, Lie with me. And Joseph left his garment in her hand and ran away, and in this trial by fire he remained absolutely faithful to the Lord. Now there are several features of this temptation that would have made it very attractive to a young man. First of all, it was a temptation to fulfill a natural need. The author of Potiphar's wife for an intimate relationship with Joseph was pure and simple. Well, maybe not pure, but it was simple. God made us sexual creatures and many people believe they have the right to satisfy their desires in any fashion they choose. And it seems to be more out there today than ever before. But you know what? God has a different opinion. 
Any sexual expression that takes place outside the boundaries of marriage relationship is either fornication or adultery. Either one is, either one is a sin against God. It's against not only a sin against God, it's a sin of your, against your spouse or your future spouse or yourself. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18, it says, Flee fornication, every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Joseph's response to Potiphar's wife was a response that we should all adopt when it comes to dealing with these kinds of sins. In verse 12, again, it says that he fled and got him out. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And so it was a temptation to fulfill a natural need. But secondly, it was Joseph, the fact that Joseph was in a strange land. Well, some people have the motto, when in Rome, do as the Romans. A lot of people live that way. A salesman might do things on the road he wouldn't do at home. A young person will do things at a party that they wouldn't do at home. Joseph did not care where he was. He was determined to do the right thing. And he refused to violate the trust of his master and of his God. His family would have never known Potiphar might, have not, never, might not have never known. He's, Joseph knew that God in heaven would know, though. And that knowledge was enough to keep him pure. And so, it was a temptation to fulfill a natural need. Joseph was in a strange land. And thirdly, Mrs. Potiphar was surely a beautiful woman. Egyptian women were renowned in that day for their physical beauty. Surely she would have appealed to this young man. But nowhere in this text does it say that he was repulsed by her appearance. Nowhere does it suggest that she was unattractive. Had he given in to her advances, there is little doubt that it would have been an enjoyable experience, humanly speaking. However, Joseph was interested in more than gratifying the flesh. He was determined to be faithful to God regardless of the personal cost. It was a decision that he made long before he arrived in Egypt. It was a decision he had determined to stand by. Now Joseph had some conviction and he had drawn himself some boundaries. We need to do the same thing. And so when the time comes, that temptation uh, comes, then we've already decided the matter. There's no choice to be made. We've already decided what to do. No doubt she was a beautiful woman. Fourthly, it came on the heels of a big promotion. A lot of people would assume that they had arrived. After all, Joseph had kind of the Midas touch. He had favor with Potiphar. He was the king of the roost at the big house. 
He did as he pleased. Some people might have concluded, well, I can do no wrong. I might as well enjoy the fruits of my labors. But not Joseph. It would do us well to remember that we are never more vulnerable to temptation than when we have just enjoyed a great victory. When we have been a part of a great victory, we seem to feel like, well, we can do anything. And it's in those moments temptation and failure are more real than ever. And then it came at a perfect time and opportunity. Potiphar's wife caught Joseph when there was no physical reason why they should not or could not commit adultery. The only thing that stopped them was Joseph's integrity. He stood his ground. He determined to do what was right regardless of the cost. And we need to remember that our enemy is a master of setting things up. He will put us in just the right places at just the right times and he will make sin look so innocent and so easy. He will make it seem that we are a fool to refuse him. But I remind you that all Satan's apples have worms. I would also remind you that the opportunities he gives you to sin will lead to disappointment, disillusionment, discouragement, and even possibly death. Let me make a statement or two about this matter of temptation. First of all, temptation is never from God. James 1.13 says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Now, God may allow some testing, but temptation to do evil is never from God. Secondly, temptation is always from within. You go on in James and it says in verse 14, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. And then thirdly, there is always a way out. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Now that verse right there teaches us five things. That we need to deal with temptation immediately. As Barney Fife would say, nip it in the bud. We need to nip it, deal with it right away, and then deal with it realistically. You know, uh, Joseph here, it says, he fled. Uh, He didn't even worry about his, his, his outer garment, his coat. He wasn't worried about that. He just, I have to get out of here. And then deal with it ruthlessly. Do whatever it takes to avoid it. If it means leaving your coat behind, leave it behind. Deal with it consistently. Learn to be consistent in your resistance. And then deal with it confidently. We have the Lord's great promise. God will make a way of escape, but be sure you're looking for it. The word escape means 
egress or a way out. A way out was used in the ancient Greece to refer to a landing place for a ship. God will give us a way through the rough seas of temptation. Those temptations that we cannot escape, He will enable us to bear them. And God's promise to us is that while temptations will come our way, He will enable us to land safely on the other side. The main reason Joseph was able to remain faithful in the day of salvation was because he saw sin for what it really was. He did not see it as a few moments of pleasure. He did not see it as his right. Uh, He did not see it as even an option. Joseph saw sin as an affront to Almighty God. He could not, he would not sin against God. Now, if you want want to successfully navigate the troubled waters of temptation, then we need to learn to see sin for what it really is. It's not a mistake. It's wickedness. It's not an affair. It's it's adultery. It's not an alternative lifestyle. It's an abomination. It's not a slip of the tongue. It's blasphemy. It's not abortion. It's murder. Sin is a shame in any life. And that is especially true when it's in the life of a Christian. Joseph was a faithful man in spite of temptations. I don't know about you, but I want to finish well. I would like to be able to say with Paul, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He was faithful in spite of temptations. Secondly, he was faithful in spite of trials. He was faithful in spite of trials. Look at verse 13. It says in verse 13, And it came to pass when he saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought an Hebrew into us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her, until the Lord, his Lord uh, came home, and she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou brought, hast brought us unto us came in unto me to mock me, and it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out, and it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me that his wrath was kindled. Someone has said, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Mrs. Potiphar had been scorned and she sets her trap. When Joseph runs out, I can see her as she rumples her hair, smudges her makeup and tears her clothes. She starts to scream and to cry. And she begins to put together a big lie. The other servants came running to see what was going on. She tells them that Joseph had tried to rape her. She holds on to the garment. When her husband arrives home, she springs the trap. And in essence, she blames Potiphar for the problem. Again, there in verse 17, she's saying, you know, if you hadn't brought this slave home, none of this would have happened. Look what you've allowed to happen in our home. 
It's all your fault, Potiphar. By the way, I think it's interesting that the garment is once again the focus of Joseph's problems. His coat of many colors was the focus of his brother's envy, and his garment here, taken by Mrs. Potiphar, is the focus of her fear and her rage. Well, Potiphar hears the accusations against Joseph, and he becomes angry. And I've always wondered who he was really mad at. Was he mad at Joseph because he believed her story? Or was he mad at her because she knew the lust that was in her heart? He knew the lust that was in her heart. Was he mad at himself because he didn't have the courage to stand up against a domineering wife? Or was he mad because he was thinking of all the money he was going to lose? Why was he mad? Ever thought of that? Surely Potiphar could see the inconsistencies of her story. For instance, why would Joseph have left the incriminating garment when he fled? Hadn't Joseph proven himself to be a faithful servant who was above approach year after year? And if Potiphar believed his wife, he allowed his anger to get in the way of making a clear decision here, a clear uh, assessment of the situation. At any rate, the story ends the same. Joseph winds up in prison. Now, Psalm 105, verses 17 through 19, tells us something about the pain that Joseph endured when he was first thrown into that prison. But put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a moment. You've been faithful. You've been a faithful servant to your master. You've successfully avoided committing adultery with his wife, even though she practically threw herself at him. Uh, if you were in his shoes, you would have thought, well, I've been falsely accused. What would you do? I think most of us would have probably launched a loud and long defense. Unfair! We would have declared our innocence and we would have vowed, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm not going to get mad, I'm going to get even. Not Joseph. In fact, there's no record of him even opening his mouth. In this respect, Joseph is once again like our Lord Jesus. He took the trial that came his way and he endured with grace and faithfulness. Now, I'm not saying that we should never defend our name or reputation when it is slandered, but what I'm talking about is the fact that the trials are going to come. There are going to be times when you're going to be attacked You're going to be misunderstood. You're going to be misrepresented. And when those times come, we need to remember that God knows the truth and eventually that truth will come out. And what I am saying is that you and I must learn to be faithful even during the trials of life. When everything goes against us and the full weight of life comes crashing down on top of us, we must ever remain faithful to the Lord who loved us, who bought us, and saved us. In other words, don't get mad at someone and try to quit. Don't let the hardships and the valleys of life throw you off course. Don't get upset when things don't go your way all the time. When people lie about you or talk about you, do not prove them right. Prove them wrong by remaining faithful to the Lord. Notice, or I should say, nothing silences the tongue of a critic any quicker than a faithful life. Just live so well, they have, uh, they, no one will believe the li- what the liars are saying about you anyway. Trust God. Stay the course. 
He's looking for faithful servants. He's looking for people who will be the same regardless of what, which way the wind is blowing. Again, I don't know about you, but I want to be found faithful. God has been faithful to me. I want to be faithful to Him. Notice thirdly, faithful in spite of tragedies. Faithful in spite of tragedies. Verse 20, verse, uh, begin there in verse 20 and verse, through verse 23, Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Here is Joseph back in the pit again. This time it's not a pit of earth, but it's a pit of a prison. And surely he felt like his star was on the rise. It looks like his dreams will never be fulfilled. Many people have, uh, would have given, us, uh, given up on us and quit when they found themselves in the same situation, but not Joseph. He just did in prison what he had done in Potiphar's house and he had done in Jacob's house. He remained faithful in spite of everything life threw at him. He did his job there in the prison. And he did it so well that he was soon running the place. The jailer trusted Joseph to do the right thing. He turned the, uh, uh, the day, uh, to day-to-day operation of the place over to him. Now you say, how is that possible? Well, look again at verse 21 where it says, The Lord was with Joseph. The verse also says that God showed him mercy. Verse 23 again tells us, The Lord was with him. It also says that, That which he did, the Lord made to prosper. You see, Joseph was faithful to the Lord regardless of where he was. Regardless of what he did, the Lord was faithful to Joseph. There are going to be times when the bottom will fall out of your life. Uh, That's the clear teaching of God's Word. When that happens, there will be the temptation to give up, to quit. And the flesh will say, well, what's the use? I've been faithful and now I'm still in trouble. I might as well give up. Satan will tell you that you should just quit. Even some of the people around you are going to tell you that serving the Lord has gotten you nowhere but into trouble. I want to tell the world around you, your flesh and the devil... The world around you and the flesh and the devil are all liars. They will do their best to get you to drop out. God wants us to remain faithful. Now God blessed Joseph. He used him in the prison because Joseph remained faithful. It, you and I would just stand before the Lord and, and the, be the people that he saved us to be. We can count on him using us. I've seen people in the valley, the valley of depression, and yet God used them. I've seen people held in the grip of terminal illness, but God used them. 
I've seen people who didn't have a dime to their name and still God used them. If you'll be faithful where He puts you, He will use you there for His glory. You know, the greatest thing that could ever be said about you and me, as far as our walk with the Lord is concerned, is that we are faithful. I want to be found faithful. How about you? I want to be faithful to my family. I want to be faithful to my wife. I want to be faithful to my call. I want to be faithful to my Lord. I want to be faithful to the church. I want to be faithful to this pulpit. And I want to be faithful to the one who has never been unfaithful to me. Listen, just keep living for Jesus, even when it doesn't seem like it's paying off. Just keep praying, even when the answers don't seem to be coming. Keep coming to church when it seems like it's dry as dust. Keep praising Him, even if you have to do it through your tears. If you stay faithful in the prisons of life, God will let get glory from your life, and He will bless you in ways you never could imagine. 2,000 years ago or so, a woman by the name of Mary bowed at the feet of Jesus, and she broke a box of ointment that was worth a year's pay, and she poured it out on the head of the Lord Jesus and on His feet. Some of the people were around her complained about what she was doing, but Jesus said, let her alone. She hath done what she could. In other words, Mary was faithful to the Lord and he recognized her faithfulness. He honored her because she honored him by being in her place and doing all that she could. I wonder tonight, are you doing all you can? Are you faithful? The Lord would look at your life tonight. Would he be able to say, thou hast done what uh, you could? Could he declare us to be faithful servants unto him? Are you faithful to the Lord as you should be? Or is there room for improvement? Well, I think if you're honest, if we were all honest, we'd have to say, I could improve. I could be more faithful. Joseph was faithful. Jesus is faithful. I want to be faithful as well. How about you? I believe if he's spoken to you in any way tonight, you need to be uh, realize this a time to say, I want to be faithful, Lord. Let's bow in prayer.